Welcome back to another edition of the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. And if it sounds like I've lost my voice, it's because I've been at WonderCon. Comic-Con's not until July, but its sister convention, WonderCon, is this weekend, ending at 5 p.m. on Easter Sunday. WonderCon's not as big or crazy as Comic-Con. Well, at least not yet. So it provides a perfect warm-up for Comic-Con. It's like con training to remind yourself what to pack for a survival kit when you're hitting the floor or waiting in line for panels. And it gets your stamina and body prepared for the intense five-day Comic-Con event coming in the summer. WonderCon is run by Comic-Con International, which also runs Comic-Con in the summer. This was the first and possibly the only WonderCon that will be held at the LA Convention Center. I know having it there makes people think that, ooh, Comic-Con's trying out the Convention Center to see if they want to move from San Diego to there for Comic-Con. But that's not exactly the case. Sure, it gives them the opportunity to test out the venue, but at this point, there's no plans for Comic-Con to move anywhere. WonderCon began in San Francisco at the Moscone Center, but when renovations pushed them out, they tried Anaheim and have been happy there for the past few years. But this year, Anaheim was undergoing renovations and could not provide the dates or the space that WonderCon needed for this year, so the convention moved to the LA Convention Center. The exhibit hall at the LA Convention Center was nice and spacious, and it was easy to move around even with anime cosplayers carrying huge swords and assorted parents with double-wide strollers taking up a lot of space. I have a pair of interviews for you from WonderCon. One's with Seth Laterman, who's the Executive Vice President and General Manager for Comic-Con HQ. And another is with IDW founder and CEO Ted Adams, who is premiering the Sci-Fi Network's new show, Winona Earp, which is based on an IDW comic. I worked with Seth last summer when Lionsgate and Comic-Con had announced plans for a subscription channel that was to be all about things Comic-Con. I was conducting interviews and editing footage of what fans wanted from a Comic-Con platform. As a longtime attendee of Comic-Con, I'm excited about what the platform might have to offer, including some archives of old panels from Comic-Con. At the convention, Comic-Con HQ had a booth and people could check out what the platform was all about and what it might be offering. The booth had monitors where you could scroll through content, and it also had some fun activities. I caught up with Seth on Saturday morning at WonderCon as the pace of the convention was picking up. I'm here on the floor at WonderCon 2016 at the Comic-Con HQ booth, and I'm here with Seth Laterman, who is the Executive Vice President and General Manager of Comic-Con HQ. So how has WonderCon been? It's been amazing. I mean, I love this event so much. It's been a great experience. Yesterday, our booth was packed all day. Uh, We've got a lot of interactive uh, capabilities here. We're really talking to everybody. We just made our announcement a week ago, so a lot of people don't know who we are or what we are. So it's been great for me and my entire team to come here and be able to talk with the fans, uh, tell them a little bit about what we're doing, ask them what they want to see, so we can really engage them and learn about everything going on. So it's just been a great event. First year here in LA has been a lot of fun. So um, I'm just having a blast. So are you talking to people about what uh, Comic-Con HQ is going to be offering and seeing what kind of ideas or expectations they have? That's exactly what we're trying to do. So so much of what we're really doing here is communicating with the audience and making this part of a community because the community is what built Comic-Con and WonderCon into what it is. So our goal is to really provide for them as much as possible. And until we actually have a platform and we can start seeing the data and the analytics on what they want to watch, it's just constant communicating with them, uh, whether it's through email, through social media, in person here. What do you guys want to see? What is Comic-Con mean to you? What does WonderCon mean to you? What does this community mean to you? And we're going to be listening to everybody. We're going to be taking everything in and we're going to be trying to program content specifically to that. 
talking to people, are you feeling that you're pretty much in line with what people are looking for, or are you getting some surprises about what people are asking for? You know, I think we have a pretty good understanding because we are all fans, so we're really trying to program for ourselves since, uh, you know, we we are part of this community, but we've had some really good ideas and some really great questions. Um, you know, a lot of the questions are about what we're going to be doing at Comic-Con, uh, which is great because, you know, Comic-Con is such an amazing event and it's pretty much impossible to see everything since there's so much content. So we have those conversations and we're hearing what everybody wants there, but our real goal here is to take what is the five days of Comic-Con, take what is the three days of WonderCon, and make that a year-round event. So that's what a lot of the questions that we're asking people. What do you love most about these conventions and how can we translate that into a digital uh, video? to be able to provide this awesome atmosphere year-round. So you have some content up here. You were showing me actually what kind of the, the test site looks like and you were showing me how you are packaging some of the content in terms of like Netflix has recommended but you've got some interesting uh, categories that you're coming up with. Yeah, you know, we, we want to have fun with the site. So, you know, when you're looking through our films and TV shows or even our original content, it's not going to be action and comedy and horror. We got some really fun ones like Look Who's Stalking um, that, you know, we'll be able to play. We're going to communicate with our audience. We'll ask for ideas, suggestions. Um, we'll put those on. We're, it's going to be a very dynamic site um, where we're going to be changing it on a constant basis to really just show how much content, the abundance of content, and really how much fun it is. Because look at these events. Everybody here has fun. So why can we not do the same thing on our platform? So talk about some of the content that you have planned and are, are already prepping and making available. Um, so um, original content and our licensed content is going to be the biggest parts of our, con our platform. So from a license standpoint, what that means is we're going to be taking films and TV series from all studios and all, whether they're big or independents, and putting them on a platform to really, these are the movies, the TV shows that we love, that we want to see, that we want everyone to be able to see, that we haven't seen yet, that we're just uh, really excited to see. So that's going to be a huge part. We'll have between three and 400 of those on the platform at any given time with different titles rotating in and out monthly. Um, and, but in addition to that, we're going to be producing a lot of original content, a couple hundred hours in the first year alone, probably like 400 or something along those lines if we can really um, get as much out as we're hoping. But I'm really excited about that. We're working with Adam Sessler and Kevin Pereira, two guys from G4 who came to me with some ideas that they have that they're really passionate about, how they really love this audience and want to communicate on a constant basis. So, you know, one of the big things that we're doing here um, that's slightly different than any other uh, subscription channel is that we're going to be releasing co content on a constant basis, four, five, six, seven new original pieces of content every week uh, for the audience. That's going to be a lot of high-end entertainment news where trusted resources are going to be communicating some of the coolest and biggest and best stories and some stories that you're not really sure about, um, but in a fun way. Um, in addition to that, we're going to be uh, producing serialized, scripted and unscripted content. Uh, we announced three of our series last week, one with Ashley Eckstein and her universe, which is our Project Runway Meeks cosplay. We call it Geek Couture. Um, she's, got, she's an amazing person who built this awesome brand and high-end runway outfits theme now to Doctor Who and Star Wars and Game of Thrones and it's it's so fun so we're gonna be following that journey of 25 contestants who um, have the ability to get a line at Hot Topic uh, if they win this fashion show which is really exciting um, I'm very uh, I'm very optimistic and excited, I keep saying that word, about the second series we have with a guy named Jason Latimer, who uh, won Britain's Got Talent. He is a magician and also a scientist, too. So well, how everyone thinks that magic is unreal, it's actually really happening. So we'll start every episode out with a great magic trick, let's say like levitating, but then we'll go and we'll show science how we're actually making things levitate right now for real. So magic is not necessarily magic these days, it's real science. So it's going to be very educational, very fun. He's a really dynamic uh, personality that I think everyone's going to really like. 
Um, and then the other series we uh, announced is Kings of Con, which is uh, with uh, Rob's, Rob Benedict and Richard Spade, uh, two guys from Supernatural. Um, they go to Supernatural conventions throughout the year. So these are real stories about what happened behind the scenes in these conventions. I've read the scripts. I've seen one of their episodes. It is so funny. And these guys are just like the best. So as people will notice and see, every piece of original content are coming from fans. So people, they have to be passionate about what they want to produce and they have to be passionate about the audience. And that's when I think content will come out being a lot better when, you know, we're going to be as hands off as we possibly can. We're going to let the producers, you know, produce the ideas that they want um, with our help and our insight because, you know, we are the fans and we're the audience. But because of the, because the fans are producing all the content, that's what we're really excited about. Now, having her universe on reflects that the makeup of the audience coming to conventions like Comic-Con and WonderCon is becoming much more evenly divided between men and women. That is true. It's uh, it's about 60-40 now, male to women, but it's skewing more towards uh, women. And uh, women have are actually a much more engaged audience on a constant basis. I have so many friends like in this community, in this world, and more of them are women. So it's, I mean, it's. I feel like it, it's been that way forever. It's just now they're coming out and being part of this like in a full way but it's so exciting and you know I, I'm such a huge fan of Ashley and I'm just it's, it's just such a diverse audience in general completely and we're gonna have a real diverse amount of content on the site really working with everyone because you know as mentioned before we're trying to take this event and make it real life this event is so diverse as it is so that's the type of content we're gonna be able to have it we're gonna have as well now here at the Comic-Con HQ booth, I can see that there are a lot of things from the Comic-Con art show that was at the San Diego Public Library. So does that reflect that the Comic-Con HQ channel is also going to be delving into archives? Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the most exciting parts of this. Uh, Comic-Con's got 30, 40 years worth of uh, archival content that we're reviewing now, we're digitizing, we're up to put it on. We're going to really be working with everybody, all the studios, everyone who's part of those videos to get that out because there's such an amazing history of Comic-Con, of how it started with a hundred and so people in the basement of a hotel to now being the, one of the biggest and best pop culture conventions in the world. So it's something that, again, like interests me so much. You can see our wall over here. We've got pictures from years of Comic-Con. We've got this amazing artwork. Um, it's just got such a rich history. And, um, you know, and that's, that's how we are going to find our voice and our audience by knowing what made Comic-Con what it is today and learning and engaging and be part of the history. Uh, because as you can see, like um, this, this whole community, the Comic-Con name brand in general has grown to something I don't think anybody would have ever expected. So this is just a new wave now trying to turn it digital into a 20 or 365 day uh, event. So what was your first experience with Comic-Con? Oh, that's a good question. Back, uh, man, it's like 12 years ago now. Um, before it was just starting to get really huge, one of my friends was like, we should go down to Comic-Con. And, you know, I'll admit it at that point, I was like, really? Comic-Con? That's what you want to do? And he's like, I've heard it's such an amazing event. So I came down and it blew me away. Um, and it, it, it's the same reaction that I see with friends and people here when it's the first time they come. You just have a smile on your face. The energy is so high. The energy is amazing. So being able to go to that first panel and see people, like just the excitement of people just standing there listening to the behind the scenes, the stories of who's personalities are being able to walk the floor and go to artist alley and go up to an artist and for like five or ten dollars they'll draw you something right there I mean so that was yeah that was my first experience and then I I just couldn't let it go and I've just been a fan a bigger fan ever since and what can people expect during Comic-Con from Comic-Con HQ in terms of panels are any is anything gonna be streaming live 
the plan isn't really to stream anything live because you know a big thing is the experience. Um, we really don't want to take away the experience of the people who wait in line for hours, if not days, to be the first to see and hear. Um, and you know that's just a once that's just a once in a lifetime experience and event that uh, people do. So I don't think we're going to be streaming anything, but we are working with all the panel hosts and all the studios to be able to put those panels up shortly after. And we're talking we're going to try to cover as many panels as possible. So we're saying everything from Hall H to the smallest rooms because you know everybody should be part of this audience and just in general you know we're gonna have crews out all around town non-stop just getting covering the event as much as possible our goal is to really bring the experience at Comic-Con to those who can't make it while also enhancing it for those who are there because as you know from being there for 20 30 years that is literally impossible to see everything because there's just so much great content so when you go home at night while you're waiting in line while you're waiting for dinner you can come on our site and take a look at from that day what you may have missed and what you may have seen and then for days and weeks and months later. And are you going to be looking to old panels? Is there footage that you can use from old panels from Comic-Con to possibly put up? Yeah, so part of the archival content that Comic-Con has is a lot of old panels, like a couple thousand from there. So we're in the process right now of digitizing them and working with those panel hosts to put them up on the platform as well. So yeah, that's definitely the plan to um, be able to bring those things that people might have missed or might have forgotten about from years ago back to light again. And what kind of things are people actually getting to interact with here in the booth? Oh, so here in the booth, it's really exciting. We have a pretty amazing mural that was uh, part of the 40th anniversary book that you were talking about. Um, we have this awesome Instaprint thing, which is great. So anybody here, whether you're in our booth or anywhere around town, really, you take a picture, you post it on Instagram, and you just do hashtag WonderConCCHQ, and a picture will print out from this Instaprint right here, which is really cool. It looks like a little Instagram picture as well. So thousands of people came by to do that yesterday. And then what we're also, we were talking before, we have an alpha version of our site. So we're letting people actually see what we're doing which you know shows just how real it is um, and then even cooler we have this great doodle wall which is right behind you right now where we've had artists from uh, from the artist alley come here and draw we have fans come by and you know people are just drawing their experience their their fondest memories and their best uh, artwork if you will even stick figures that look really cool um, on there so it's just really interactive um, you know as, as I was mentioning you know we want this whole thing to be fun and so we wanted to make sure this booth was fun and very interactive for everybody and tell people, when can they actually get a look at this alpha version of uh, Comic-Con HQ? Uh, the alpha version we're probably not going to be making public, so it'll really be our beta version, which, sorry, which is uh, May 7th, uh, Free Comic Book Day. We are partnering with Diamond Comics to be the principal sponsor during Free Comic Book Day to help get the comic books and more stores out there. Um, but on May 7th, uh, you can test the site. It's going to be a very public beta um, where we're going to be communicating. We're going to be asking, what do you want to see? What do you like? What don't you like about it? But we'll, be, we'll have a lot of films and TV series on there. We'll have original content on there at that time. So we really want it to be a fully functional site, but a way to get our fans there to come early, and it'll be completely free through Comic-Con. So you can literally sign up on May 7th and have two and a half months free and get all of our Comic-Con coverage completely free. And how can they go about signing up? So right now you can go to ComicConHQ.com, C-O-M-I-C-hyphen-C-O-N-H-Q.com, and put your email address in there. And then we'll send you an email a day or two before to let you know, hey, you're already signed up. Come here, come in, and uh, on May 7th you'll be able to start watching content. 
And eventually this is going to be a pay subscription channel. So do you have any idea at this point what kind of rates that'll be? We don't know the exact number right now, but um, we're talking to the audience, we're asking questions, we're doing market research on it. It's going to be very affordable. You know, similar to how on Wednesdays you'll go into your comics book shop and you ask for that comic and you know it's going to be $3.99 and you're completely okay with that. We're going to have a very affordable price where people are going to come back every month and be like, oh, this is only going to be this amount, I'm happy to pay for it. We're not going to be competing with the Netflix or the Hulus of the world. We really want this to be inclusive and affordable for everybody. So at some point uh, in late April or May, right before we're ready to launch, uh, we'll make that public once we figure out what the right number is. But again, it's going to be completely free for a few months, so you'll be able to test it out and see if it's worth it for you, which we are pretty uh, sure it will be. And are you actually shooting anything here at WonderCon to use? You know, we have um, we, uh, we we did do uh, we shot the Her Universe panel yesterday because they announced the open auditions for the contest. Uh, so everything's on HerUniverse.com right now to go and uh, you know try to be one of the 25 contestants. And then I have a crew around just going around interviewing people, talking to them, asking them what they want to see, what what's their fondest memories of Comic Con, um, getting just some good shots of the great cosplay, the atmosphere. Because you know, as mentioned, our, one of our goals is to be able to bring the experience to those who can't make it here. So we're capturing a lot of the autographs some of the panels some of just people talking and we want to try to we'll put that on our platform when it's ready to go so people can see what an amazing experience WonderCon is and get them ready for what we're going to be doing for Comic-Con. All right any other comments about the platform? I'm just so excited for people to uh, start seeing it and uh, I'm just really excited to, that we're continuously talking to the audience and hearing what they want to see because I think we're putting together something really fun and really excited and uh, I'm just uh, very excited. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you, Beth. Appreciate it. That was Seth Laderman, General Manager and Executive Vice President for Comic-Con HQ. Now for my interview with Ted Adams of IDW. I am here at WonderCon with Ted Adams, the founder and CEO of IDW Comics. So how has WonderCon been this year for you? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. This is the first time it's been in Los Angeles, so it's been a different experience. Last couple of years it's been in Anaheim. But uh, it's very fun to be here. The LA Live is a really fun scene, and there's a lot of events going on at Staples as well. So definitely a, a good crowd, a good vibe. So IDW seems to have a lot on its plate right now. One of the things front and foremost is your comic and now TV show for Winona Earp. So tell me what you guys are doing here at WonderCon for it. Yeah, we're actually having the uh, premiere and an after party for Winona Earp, and it airs on Sci-Fi at Fridays at 10, starting next Friday, April 1st. So we're here with the cast. We've got the showrunner, Emily Andrus. Also have Bo Smith, who created the comic book, and we're here to celebrate, uh, celebrate with them, and we're anxious for everybody to check out the show. Now, it seems like you guys have come a long way, and did you ever think that when you started out, you would be overseeing TV shows like this? Uh, no, I can't honestly say I, that, that uh, my heart really lies with publishing, so that's where, uh, that's where my passion is. I love, uh, I love books, and um, so the, the TV division has been great. It's called IDW Entertainment, and uh, we have this show. We also have another show that we're doing for BBC America called Dirk Gently that'll come out in October. So uh, the TV division has been great, but certainly when I started the business, it was all around publishing and then the other things that we're doing. We also have a board game division now. Uh, that kind of sprung out of the publishing division and then this entertainment division that's focusing on TV. So it's been exciting. Well, it seems now that comic book companies are all, or a lot of them, are expanding like this. I mean, DC and Marvel have expanded so much into the entertainment industry. It, does that seem like kind of the normal path to take now? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that because comic books are such a good 
sort of storytelling format for TV and movies, and particularly for TV, because TV is serialized, you want cliffhangers, you want to keep that audience coming back, and that's what comic books are all about and have been for 70 years or more. So I think that there's, it makes sense that comic book type storytelling really lends itself also to TV storytelling and the characters are vetted because you know only the best rise to the top that make it to a TV show so it really is a good it's sort of a, a good way for for networks to have some confidence that the storytelling is there and that there's an audience already built in so tell me about one owner herb in terms of how did IDW uh, come upon it and what was it about it that attracted you to it sure. So Winona Earp was actually originally published by uh, Jim Lee at a company called Wildstorm Productions based in La Jolla. And I worked for Jim before starting IDW. And uh, Winona Earp, the comic book, is created one of my, by one of my best friends. His name's Bo Smith. And Bo and I have known each other for uh, probably 25 years. So when we started IDW, uh, Jim sold Wildstorm to DC Comics. And uh, the rights to uh, Winona Earp reverted back to Bo. So we started publishing comic books around it. Uh, back, this was probably back in the early 2000s, and we've done a handful of series over the years. But I always felt like this one in particular really lended itself to other forms of entertainment. So we tried to set it up as a video game, almost had a deal done. We, uh, we had a couple of feature things that uh, didn't pan out but looked like they were going to work. And then ultimately we hooked up with a Canadian company called 724, and they loved Winona Earp. And this was actually before we started IDW Entertainment. So actually, it actually predated that, uh, the, the, the creation of that uh, division at IDW. So 724, who are the producers of the show, they hired Emily Andrus, who is our showrunner and head writer, and, and it just kind of took off from there. We started shooting, uh, I guess we were shooting in uh, September of 2015, and, uh, and then, like I said, the first episode airs on April 1st on uh, Sci-Fi at 10. And what was it about the story or the character that particularly appealed to you? Well, I think the idea that she's the great-great-granddaughter of Wyatt Earp is just really fun. And uh, what Emily has done with the show is she's really expanded the world. She's given Winona some sisters, and uh, Doc Holliday is in the TV show, and Winona has a magical gun that she uses to shoot the demons. And, and the demons in the show are actually all of Wyatt Earp's kills who have come back as what we call revenants, which are essentially demons. And so she, Winona is the heir of Wyatt Earp, so it's her job to hunt down those demons and protect her town. And what is the other show that you have in the works, too? Can you talk a little bit about sure. what that story is? Yeah, so that one is based off of a series of books by Douglas Adams, who's best known as the creator of the Hitchhiker Guide uh, mm -hmm. to the Galaxy series. So this was another series of books that he did called Dirk Gently. And we're doing that show for BBC America. It's eight episodes. The showrunner on that is Max Landis, who's a, a, just an amazing screenwriter. He wrote a Chronicle and a bunch of other movies. And uh, so it's, a, it's based off the Douglas Adams character. And, and we just announced that we've cast Elijah Wood as one of the two leads in the show. So we're very excited about that. And IDW has also opened recently your comic art gallery. And how has that been going? It's been great. It's really been nice. It, we really did that to be able to, it was a chance for us to kind of give back to the community that has supported us for so long. It really lets people see how comic books are made. It's the only comic art gallery right now in the United States. And it allows you to see the whole process, how it goes from script to pencils to ink to finished product. And that's really what we, uh, what we try to showcase there. It also has uh, Kevin Eastman, who co-created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He has a replica studio there, which is just phenomenal. It's filled from floor to ceiling with toys and all the things that inspires Kevin. We 
have a kids studio where kids can come in and learn how to draw. They can uh, there's bean bags in them for their be able to read comics. So it's really what we're really trying to do is make it a fun place for the community. And and Liberty Station's really become an exciting uh, hotbed right now. They just opened the public market there, which is just drawing in a ton of people. It's so crowded. Uh, it's, uh, I've been trying to go over there for lunch, and the lines are too long right now. So, but uh, it's it's exciting to see because Liberty Station is really fun. Stone Brewery, of course, is there. Kamikaze, a comic store, is right across from our gallery. So it's just it's just uh, I feel like I'm going uh, like to uh, a theme park every day when I'm going to work. So now IDW has been coming to WonderCon and Comic Con for quite some time. What is it about coming to these conventions that makes it worthwhile for you to have booths here all the time? Well, this is all about letting fans interact with the people that they that they like. So it's giving them that opportunity to meet creators and be able to talk to editors. And so it's, for us, it's completely about that sort of fan, you know, making letting fans interact with the people that are producing the products that they like. So that's really our that's really our goal when we come to a show like this. For Winona Earp specifically, this was a good chance since we since we just ended up our shows airing five days after this show ends it just felt like a perfect opportunity to introduce our cast to the world and like I said kind of be a chance to for all of us who work so hard to make the show a chance to celebrate it and and bring our family and friends and and uh, hopefully some big wigs and and uh, have the first public screening of the show and are you able to judge any kind of reaction yet um, to who you've cast or how the fans are taking it? Yeah, I think what we found is our show is fun, and so we really, you know, it's it's a it's. I think there's really not anything like it on TV right now. It's certainly a, a horror show, and there's some, you know, there's some uh, some of those uh, kind of things in there as well, the horror and and all those kind of elements. But it's really a fun show, and our characters are really fun to watch. It's very funny. Emily is just a, a an amazing writer. She's just got a great sense of humor. She's really witty, and so the characters are really fun. And Melanie Scrifano, who plays Winona Earp, it can just she she's so charming and likable and charismatic. And so I really think that you know if you look at so much of the entertainment right now is gritty and dark, and we see you know Batman, Superman, and you know it's like this is this is not like that. This is a fun show. You're gonna like these characters. You're gonna like these actors. You're gonna like, if you if you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, this is this is the show for you. And do you hope that the show also causes some people to go back and either discover the comic book or, you know, reread it? Yeah, absolutely. And we, and we do, we're publishing comics right now as well. So there are Winona Earp comics in comic stores right now. And I think we're really hoping that people that like the show will go and search out those comics. Uh, written by Bo again, so they're, you know, the original creator, of course. Uh, it's his creation, so he's still writing the comics. But what Bo's done is now added in some of the characters that Emily created. So, um, so yeah, we absolutely hope that people would uh, check out the comics as well and get a little bit more of the story behind the characters. So you go to conventions now as part of IDW, but do you ever get a chance to walk around the floor? And if you do, is there something that you look for? What do you enjoy about going just as a like fan? Well, I, as I said, I'm a, I'm a book person. So I, I, I uh, <laughs> my favorite thing in the world to do is to go to bookstores. So I, you know, so Comic-Con for me is just like an enormous bookstore. And so yes, I very much walk around to find comics, find books. It's really a chance to, you know, there's so much there. It's kind of overwhelming and really searching out and, and finding a book that I didn't know exist is what I like. So when I travel to a new city, I always find time to go to the bookstores there. It's just, uh, you know, books are in my blood. It's what I love. So yeah, it's the Comic-Con is still, it, all the Comic-Cons are still fun for me. It's of course very different. Um, when I, I, the first time I went to San Diego Comic Con was in 1990, and I was right out of college, and it was a much smaller show back then. But I, you know, I was nearly giddy with excitement. I was so excited to be going to Comic Con, and now it's very much work. But I do always carve out time to to, to at least come home with uh, probably more books than my wife would like. So. <laughs> 
And do you also like go to Artist Alley and, and small press and actually look for people that you might want to publish? A little bit. I it's more Artist Alley for me is more being able to go and introduce myself to freelancers who work for us because um, because the way comics work, you know, they aren't really they're not based in San Diego with very few exceptions. And so if I go around Artist Alley, I just try to find the people who work for IDW and introduce myself and thank them for working for us. So it's more that um, editors are more kind of searching out for new talent more than I am. But um, but it really is a good chance I've gotten to got to be able to go and. and meet many of the people who work for us. And does IDW do the portfolio review at Comic-Con? We do. We're not, I don't believe we're doing it at this show. We, uh, we have done it at San Diego. It's difficult because you can't really, it's, the show is so busy, the booth is so crowded, it's difficult to give people a thoughtful response. And so uh, I know in the past our editors at San Diego have participated if I remember correctly, San Diego themselves actually set up kind of a portfolio review room, and I know we have editors who participate in that. We do have editors who are really serious about not even so much just trying to find new talent, but trying to be able to give good advice to artists you know, who are up and coming. And so uh, most of my editorial team is very, they, they feel like that's a service that they need to provide. So I know we've participated in that in the past. You mentioned board games. So this is another interesting kind of direction. You know, as somebody whose son plays all these video games, right. I was thinking like, wow, going back to board games. But yeah. that is also a big industry now. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because it's called IDW Games, and I have to always preface it with, we're talking about board games, not video games, because everybody, when they hear games, their go-to is video games. So these are board games. And yeah, there's really been a, a renaissance of board games, and I think families are, are trying to have a little less screen time and really have that opportunity to interact in, in, with a board game, which is a really fun way to do it. So we have a breakout hit called Machi Koro, which is a Japanese game that we brought to the U.S., and that game has done extremely well for us. It's a really fun family game. Uh, it's got some deep strategy if that's what you want, but you can also just play it right out of the box and have fun with it. So, um, so that game's done really well for us. We're uh, releasing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, board game, in July. We did a Kickstarter for that that did really well for us. And so it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're doing X-Files, Godfather. It's, uh, it's uh, really that division has taken off uh, much quicker than we anticipated. And another one of the things that IDW does is you do these great, large, oversized art books, which, again, you know, I don't know if 20 years ago people were thinking that comic books were going to have this kind of coffee table book <laughs> outlet. Yeah, we do the Artist Editions line where we uh, reproduce the art at the actual size that the artist drew it and it's scanned in a way so it looks like it came right off of his or her drawing table. And it's uh, it's just a phenomenal uh, series for us. We started with Dave Stevens' Rocketeer. Uh, we did uh, Star Wars this year. We're about to do Jack Kirby's Thor. And the line is one that I'm personally very proud of. I love every book in it and, and certainly the fan response has been great. Most of this art uh, would never you would never see it in this way. So as I said, there's really only one gallery, ours, and even in our gallery, we can only show maybe 40 or 50 pieces of art at a time. So this is an opportunity for people to be able to see hundreds of pages of art as the artist drew them. And these original pages now go for huge amounts of money. You know, in many cases, $15,000, some of them in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's really curating a museum in the form of a book. And so it's been uh, really a passion project for us and certainly very commercially successful. You also need to market the 
bookshelves and like <laughs> lecterns to put them on. Well, I, 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 being the publisher, I have a copy of all of them, including all the variant covers, and I have that issue myself at home. So my wife and I are, uh, my wife I think is a little exasperated by my uh, giant book collection. So it is, it does become, uh, it does become an issue. So that is true. So I've broken many, many, many bookshelves with my heavy books. So. <laughs> yeah, because I got the Star Wars one, and there's so many like great pages in that, and I want to have it open somewhere yeah. so people can appreciate them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way. So I usually, what I do at home is I usually have one on display at a time, so I kind of rotate them out. So that's how I do it. So. Um, is there anything else that IDW has coming up that you'd like to talk about? Well, on the comic side, we, we're doing a couple of new launches this year, which we are excited about that we've been working towards for a long time. With Hasbro, we're bringing Micronauts back to comics, and we're bringing back the uh, uh, cult favorite ROM uh, to comics as well. And ROM will actually be our free comic book day comic this year. So we're uh, pretty excited about that. So those are uh, two really big launches for us on the publishing side. And like Comic-Con, you guys are still based in San Diego. We are, yes. Yeah, no, we're uh, down in Liberty Station. Check out our gallery. Our offices are right there. We're Barracks 2 and 3, uh, right behind Stone. So, yeah, we, uh, we're, not, uh, we're not going anywhere. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to the special edition Cinema Junkie podcast from WonderCon. Please subscribe to Cinema Junkie on iTunes. You can also find the podcast at kpbs.org slash junkiepodcast. And for this podcast, you can find some photos from WonderCon as well. Till next time, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident Cinema Junkie.